The Free For All Roundtable. Round two. Joining me on round two to discuss the issues of the day, News Talk 1010's Jason Agnew, Kofi Hope of Monumental and the Toronto Star, and Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown. Welcome to all. Let's start with this. Average ER wait times in Ontario reaches a new high. Patrick Brown, is there anything that can be done about this, or it just is what it is? So, you know, I think healthcare in Ontario is a mess. You know, we probably have uh, the busiest, one of the busiest hospitals in the country in, in Brampton. You know, I know um, in recent years, you know, our ER has been the centre of uh, question periods, uh, both for the PCs uh, before they got elected and, and, and now for opposition parties. What I would say is fixing this doesn't happen overnight, um, but, you know, there, there actually is commitments happening. Like I know in Brampton, they're building a new hospital. And so, you know, yesterday I was at a press conference with the premier and they were asking about this question, what are you doing to fix it? And my immediate response was, you're not going to build a hospital overnight. And so, you know, we've got a five-year hospital build, but at least we finally have that commitment. So I'm more optimistic than some people are because I see the tenders being issued. All right. Um, Jason Agnew, one of the things that uh, I hear from listeners, maybe they fire this at you too, I'm not sure, uh, but constantly when we talk about housing prices and hospitals overflowing, we get people saying, well, let's just stop letting immigrants into the country. Is that the answer? Well, uh, that is not an answer on the trivia show for me, Jerry. Um, <laughs> it's but, not trivial. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not trivial, and that's normally the subject matter I deal with. Um, as far as hospital wait times go, though, no, I, I do not think that that is the answer. Um, I think right now, and listen, this is a, this is a, a larger problem than what is happening immediately. But right now, there is a perfect storm that we are dealing with that has to do with the fallout from COVID due to our immune systems and not being ready to handle uh, what is an overactive a flu season coupled with COVID still being around, coupled with RSV, coupled with um, you also have a bunch of people not going to work that work at the hospitals as well. So there really is a perfect storm that is happening right in the here and now. I'm not, uh, I don't think that that is necessarily going to continue at this level, but there is a huge problem with the Ontario slash Canadian healthcare system. Uh, to everyone that is looking in from the outside, you know, it's it's a great system until you have to be a part of it, then it's horrendous. Well, Kofi Hope, we have this problem every flu season. People thought that it was just an unusual situation due to COVID, and it was unusual from that d- degree. But I remember, uh, you know, a year ago or so, I looked back and I found headlines year after year, just going back a decade or so, where every flu season it was, oh my God, hospitals are at capacity because we run a healthcare system on uh, a kind of, uh, you know, a basis of rationing out healthcare and we're on the edge anyway when things are well. Yeah, yeah, definitely capacity has always been tight, but I think we can't underestimate, you know, I, I sit on the board of directors for a Toronto hospital for CAMH and I can say there in every hospital people are watching wait times, but the connected issue is staffing levels, right? We have a medical profession where folks are burnt out, are exhausted, vacancies are up everywhere, right? There's competition just for enough nurses and those vital roles. And so part of it is how we continue to make those roles in frontline healthcare good jobs. How do we add to them? Because people are fed up. They've had such difficult years. And that's the, you know, short term. The long term is also 
as important as hospitals are, part of how we support them is supporting things outside of hospitals so we can treat more people downstream. That's getting folks family doctors, that's having mental health services in communities, doing things so people don't show up at the point where it's most expensive to treat them in the system, which is when they're in our emergency departments. Metrolink says there's no credible plan for completing the Eglinton LRT. A couple of councillors for the City of Toronto are going to have a press conference at 1 o'clock. Mike Cole, one of those councillors, was on with me earlier this morning expressing frustration as a councillor that um, Metrolinks doesn't even think they need to talk to uh, councillors. Metrolinks seems to have stopped talking to the media. Patrick Brown, who is Metrolinks ultimately accountable to and and are those people doing what needs to get done? Well, this is a Toronto uh, project, so it's a bit unfair for me to comment on, but they are a, a provincial body that works with municipalities overseeing major infrastructure projects. And, you know, I, I, and I drive in Toronto, so I, so I see this never-ending construction uh, project. And you know, when I'm visiting my parents in Toronto and drive on, on it, I find it infuriating. So I imagine Torontonians feel, feel the same way. What I would say with infrastructure projects, when you start to dig, Sometimes you don't know what you're going to find and, and the complications that, that that exist. And so anytime you go underground um, and a project like this requires um, a level of, of, of uh, uh, underground digging, it can get very complicated. All right, but I want to stay with you for a moment. I mean, you're, you're being nice to the council in Toronto by saying, well, I'm, I'm not the mayor of Toronto and the mayor of Brampton, but you might have to deal with it as well. And can you get the feeling, or is it in fact true, that Metrolinx doesn't see that they have any responsibility to the communities? They say, well, you're, they would say to you as the mayor, you're not the boss of me. Well, somebody's the boss of Metrolinx. Yeah, I, I would say probably the sentiment. You, you're probably fair. I think their feeling is is they report to the province, but you know, I I, I think they're very much um, they try to be collaborative with with municipalities. I've never felt that you know when we tell them something, they say you know we're we're ignoring you. Um, there is a collaborative tone. Um, I, I, part of the challenge right now too is any construction project in the country is massively over budget right now because of the inflationary costs we're seeing. So I don't know what they're dealing with 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 Crosstown, but every major construction project is really struggling with inflationary costs and the shortages of, of, of construction workers. So it's it's a mess right now for building infrastructure on on, on budget. Yeah, but here's my problem, Kofi Hope. Um, the, apparently, the construction companies are not held accountable. Metrolinx doesn't take accountability. Politicians won't be held accountable. It's going to be you and me and everybody listening because ultimately the taxpayers are held accountable. We just pay for it regardless of how inefficient uh, they might be. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's lots of blame to go around here. For Metrolinx, there just hasn't been that accountability to communities, right? I've done a lot of work with folks who are thinking about, you know, Little Jamaica, which is just one of many communities where businesses have been devastated. Um, and, you know, these listen, we need these projects, but there ha- there wasn't the thinking or planning about what is the impact on local neighborhoods and communities. You know, Metrolinx, it took like 10 years before they started really paying attention to that and, and really working with businesses and communities. But then, yeah, the private sector consortiums that come together, we create these agreements. And in theory, if things go over, you know, there are costs. But I think the last time around we did this with Eglinton LRT, it was a court battle and government didn't even win. And so we have to really think about how do we build these agreements? 
agreements because people lowball how long it will take. They lowball the cost when they're RFPing. And then you get into it, you spend a couple hundred million dollars. They know you're not going to pull out. So they have all the leverage. So it's how do we build better agreements that really hold the folks building it accountable when we have delays like this and they get an extra $2 billion, I think it is, with this project. Yeah, but Jason, I think the answer is you and I are just going to pay more taxes and we should shut up and like it. Oh, yeah. Well, that seems to be the answer for a lot of questions that we're talking about, isn't it, Jerry? I don't understand this headline, though, because there's no credible plan for completing the Eglinton LRT. Do You know, when you start a project, do you not have a completion plan and do you not put in a contingency budget if things do go upside down? I don't understand what has happened here from the very beginning till now. All right, here's the thing that, it's kind of a theoretical thing to some degree, I guess, but we see a story that the RCMP has suspended its contract awarded to a company with ties to the Chinese government. This had to do with communications equipment, and uh, there's great fear. People fear this with Huawei, et cetera, that uh, China is worming its way into uh, anything they can in the country for their own interests, certainly, and not ours. Okay, we can cancel a contract like that, but uh, Kofi, do you think we could actually say at some point, we look at this story of the police stations that China has set up in our own country, which is astounding and say at some point, can we run an economy without engaging with Toronto or with China at all? I don't think that's fully possible, Jerry. If you think about how our global economy is integrated, I think China is important. But yeah, whether it's the police stations, whether it's some of their investments in our strategic minerals, whether it is the communications piece, we know that the Chinese government works very closely with a lot of these state-backed companies, and, and they use it to forward not just economic goals, but also their strategic political goals. I think we can't fully cut them off, but we do need to set those red lines to say, hey, here is what is acceptable if you want to do business or engage with us and and do moves like this to cut deals and to be forceful in protecting our, our country without going too far into whole xenophobia and alarmism because i think you know as i said china's part of the economy we're going to continue to trade with china but we need to put it on terms that protect our country and connect protect canadians all right so as to avoid being accused of xenophobia my question to you patrick brown does not include chinese people who live here in canada it does not include chinese people who live in china those people have no control over their government so i'm talking about the government is china patrick brown our enemy so i i don't think foreign interference is limited to china unfortunately i think we deal with it from from a number of governments but i do think we need to be more rigorous um, in defending particularly sensitive areas, that they, the fact that this could happen in a, in, a, in a telecom space is dangerous. And so whether it's natural resources, transportation, pharmaceutical capacity, um, or telecom, I would expect the government would be keeping a close eye on this type of interference because we know what happens. Does, does China and its involvement in Canada scare you in any way, Jason? Um, uh, you know, the problem is I think that... There's going to be a way for uh, the Chinese government to get to make inroads if they so choose. And that's obviously going to be done through technology. But in this particular case, Jerry, if the RCMP has decided that this contract should be suspended, then I'm all for suspending this contract because the Royal Canadian Mounted Police think that it is a risk. Yeah. Uh, OK, so um, 
I love this story, and I got a different answer than I thought I would on round one, so we'll see what happens here. A Quebec judge authorizes a class action lawsuit over Fortnite, the online game, which uh, parents are claiming is addictive and it's damaged their kids. And uh, I know you're a relatively new father, Patrick Brown. I'll start with you. I think this is a parenting issue, not uh, something that the game maker did wrong. Yeah, 100%. You know, the government can't control everything you do you, you can't put a bubble around uh families and 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 children and ultimately uh, i think this would be a parenting um uh, a parenting issue um yeah. i'm not going to go get my my three and a half year old fortnight and, and <laughs> probably not uh but kofi hope parenting issue or a legitimate lawsuit yeah i mean they're not going to win this case and i would agree i mean i've got two kids and restricting screen time and especially when you know, they're, they're younger is so important. I will say, you know, with many of these companies and especially the social media, they do have armies of psychologists and child psychologists working with them. And they are purposely trying to make the, their products as addictive as possible. But yeah. I think we have to take that knowledge as parents and, and then act accordingly with our kids. Ten seconds here. Sorry, Jason. But a parenting issue or uh, the game is too addictive? Um, you know, Jerry, I was addicted to Mario Brothers, and at one point my mom said, get out of here, go outside and play! And it worked out for me okay. Look how well you turned out as a Uh-oh, result. Wait a minute, that is, it is a parenting problem. Then. No, it's a problem. <laughs> uh, don't use me as an example, Jerry! This is News Talk 1010.